Good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show. Radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Benny. Yes, ma'am. It's only six days. I know. I know. It's so close. I know. I can feel it. I believe in Santa. It's the spirit. I believe in Santa. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Christmas is next week. I'm just letting you know in case you... I had somebody come in yesterday, and she goes, no, it's not. What? She goes, it's not next week. It's the week after. And I said, no, it's actually next week. The public has been (laughs) tracking it since, like, the first day of September. So it's, like, (laughs) it's not that hard. Yeah, I know. Um, Well, you know, for all of you out there doing Elf on the Shelf, somebody sent me a goat in a coat, which I think is hysterical. (laughs) Nice. I love that. Goat in a coat or elf on the shelf, whichever way it, it, it happens. Um, I hope you're having fun. <laughs> I hope you're looking forward to um, some time, whether you're a person who actually celebrates Merry Christmas or the Happy Holidays, whichever it is. Um, you know, be kind to yourself. Take some time for you, you know. Spend a little bit of that hard-earned cash on on your own uh, rest and recuperation. Let's put it that way. Yeah, don't let it don't let it get you down. And there is a lot going on out there in the world, so you're going to be glad you tuned in. We're going to do everything we can to lift you up today, to help you stay cool and calm, and to give you a new perspective on life. Because, huh, you know, if we can do it, we will. We certainly will. So, from my heart to all of you listeners out there, I send you all kinds of goodness and love and blessings and kindness you know I really do say that to people like could we just be kind could we play nice on the playground that's all we got to do so I am the owner of Reiki Oasis (laughs) sorry I hesitated over that I am the owner of Reiki Oasis located in Bellevue Washington which is part of Seattle and uh We have some things coming up this Saturday. I have the Temple of Divine Feminine. We are going to be meeting from 1130 to 330. It's a time change. And mainly I'm doing that because the day is so short. And as you know, it's the winter solstice on Saturday. So we're going to be doing some winter solstice stuff. And we're going to be doing some celebration of the birth of the Christ light and some uh, healing circles. So if you want to be part of the Temple of Divine Feminine, sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com. Please let me know ahead of time. If for some reason the scheduler is closed down because it does close 24 hours before a class, simply send me an email at reikioasis at gmail.com and let me know you want to come and we'll figure that out because I don't want to leave people out. I do have limited seating for all of my classes, so it is important that I know you're coming. Um, yeah, yes, uh-huh, Mr. Ben. Yep. Yes. You're ready to roll. Thumbs up. I'm so glad. Double thumbs. That. Not facing me. So glad. <laughs> facing you. Just I kidding. see the double thumbs. <laughs> yeah, I get it. We, um, also have, uh, some other things coming up on, uh, December 26th and December 27th. I am offering the despachos. They are a Peruvian, um, uh, a ritual or a ceremony where we let go of all of the energies of the past year. And, well, you can let go of anything you want to because some of you have been carrying stuff around for a long time. And we make room and call in with specific intention the new energies. And especially with 2020 coming up, oh, my, we have so much going on. You will want to come and attend one of those nights you can sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com. Only pick one night. You don't need to come two nights in a row. And it's going to take about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, either on the evening of December 26th or the 27th at 7 p.m. Once again, seating is limited, so get in there. And speaking about seating, I still have, believe it or not, one seat left for the Egypt trip, February 19 through March 4. You want to go to Egypt on the most amazing trip ever? Send me an email. Send it to Loretta Brown. Send it to ReikiOasis at gmail.com and get the itinerary, the costs, and and get in on it. And yes, we are we do we do it sort of top shelf. It's luxury accommodations. 
And you're welcome to look up what it's like to be on a yacht. Yeah. Because that's basically what you're doing. <laughs> I'm sure people have done YouTube channels about it. So this, this you'll just have to be added to it. Life on a yacht. Life on a yacht. In Egypt. In Egypt, floating up and down the Nile, like, you know, Cleopatra. I mean, you can't write it any better. No, you can't. Okay. Yeah. And having basically uh, private sessions in the temples. It's un. un- Amazing. A minor footnote that is fairly large. Yes. <laughs> just saying. I don't know why everyone isn't signing up. There are, but I'm just saying. You got to do it now. You got to do it now. Yeah. And by the way, to all my <laughs> listeners who are helping to support this show, uh, thank you very much. We are listener supported. You can go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show and be part of our community. On a yacht. On a yacht. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we have um, some ama- we have an amazing guest coming up, and uh, I have a few more uh, notices. I want to say a couple of things about astrology, um, and then we'll bring her on. So today, by the way, is what's the date today? The nineteenth. It is. Yes. We are sure. right in the middle of the sun passing through the galactic center, which is the rotational center of the Milky Way. That movement is happening December 18th through the 22nd. The sun's alignment makes its energies all the more potent, and we will feel our own vibes rising now. We're going to feel the constant urge to clearly express ourselves and achieve the goals we had set at the beginning of this year. And notice how I say clearly express ourselves, because there's a lot of volatile expression out there right now. So uh, be aware of that. People are speaking up, and that can activate us. So some believe we are creatively inspired directly from the galactic center. There will be a strong sense of passion among everyone, and whenever the sun nears this center is an opportunity for all of us to grow. Also, big big events in the sky for the next six weeks. I, I'm not going to go through all of them because it's a little bit exhaustive right now. But on January twelfth, on January twelfth, we're going to have one of the most important transits of the decade, and I do mean of the decade, and maybe even the next decade. Saturn is conjunct Pluto in Capricorn. For those of you that think I'm speaking a foreign language. Saturn conjunct Pluto is indeed a monumental transit. This is not your usual Mercury retrograde. It's not even the once-in-a-time Jupiter ingress into a new sign. This is a once-in-a-30 to 40-year monumental shift that will profoundly influence every single one of us, and it actually might be a monumental once-in-about-500-year thing. So the last Saturn-Pluto conjunction was in 1982. And for those of you that were on the planet at that time, you might think back, what was happening in 1982 for me? Some of the events changed the face of the world. This conjunction occurred in Libra, Libra as opposed to Capricorn, and it's the sign of balance and justice in the last four decades. Topics like gender balance, economic justice, and political correctness have come to the forefront for all of us to deal with. The Saturn-Pluto conjunction in 2020 is in Capricorn, the sign of rules, hierarchies, and yes, politics. History is being written in front of our very eyes right now because we don't have to wait till January 12th for these influences. They're already here. The old rules are rewritten for modern times. So Saturn conjunct Pluto is not the end. People are getting all freaked out out there. It's not the end. I'm not, I'm not an apocalypse uh, prophet. Uh, I'm telling you that this is a time of beginnings. It is the current Saturn-Pluto conjunction is not a static moment in time either. It doesn't come one day and leave the next. It's not an outside event or something you have to deal with temporarily. It is a reflection of where your whole life is at the moment. Are you happy with your life? This means you made some good decisions 38 years ago or sometime within those 38 years when we had that last conjunction. And if your life is not where you want it to be, you now have the chance to change that in the light of the energy of this powerful new beginning. 
So Saturn and Pluto can be the most difficult planets in astrology. They're, they're the ones that require the work. Saturn is about rules. And by the way, where would we be without the rules or the direction? Saturn is the quote-unquote lord of tar- time, the karmic lord. Uh, but what would this world be without reflection? And Pluto is known as the god of the underworld or transformation. What would day be like without night? And I sometimes say Pluto's out there. You know, it's the last planet. And, and it's the final frontier. Boldly go where no man or woman has gone before. That's what happens. Yep. So <laughs> Benny's smiling at me. I know he's up to something over no, there. No. <laughs> processing. <laughs> so the Saturn-Pluto conjunction is going to bring a deep restructuring at the core of our being. This restructuring is not waiting until January 13th, the day after the aspect. It's emerging now, and I know many of you are feeling it. Whereas we sometimes have a three-part transit of Saturn and Pluto and a whole year to deal with it, guess what? This conjunction is a one-time event. So you need to give it your best shot. Try to embrace it. Don't run away from whatever is happening in your life. Take some deep breaths. Stand your ground. Stop hiding. And what would happen if you truly opened up to life? What if you changed your storyline? Would you find more loving relationships, a more fulfilling career, a better financial situation? When we can handle Saturn and Pluto, (laughs) we can handle anything. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Those two planets. I can't think of a better segue uh, for bringing on my guest today. Uh, My guest is Heather Ash Amara, and she is an amazing woman. She's an author. She has trained extensively in the Toltec tradition under the tutelage of Don Miguel Ruiz, author of The Four Agreements, which is one of my favorite books. She is the author of several books to include the best-selling book, Warrior Goddess Training. And today we're going to be talking about her newest book, The Warrior Heart practice, a simple process to transform confusion into clarity and pain into peace. Yay. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thanks so much, Loretta. It's so great to be here. Um, Do you go by Heather or Heather Ash? Heather Ash. Thank Thank you for asking. And that sounds like some kind of a special sacred name to me. I don't know if that is uh, what you were born with or uh, something, but it it feels very sacred to me. So thank you. Yeah, Ash was my nickname for many years, and I decided to add it to my first name. I love that. Yummy. Yeah, it is yummy. Heather Ash, Mm -hmm. I love it. So, um, this is a big question, but I am thrilled to have you on the show, by the way. I've read your books. Um, they're so in alignment with everything that I uh, believe and do that I'm a little startled. Um, I'm not a, a, a master of the Toltecs by any means, but my goodness, the, it's, um, I, I just love what you're doing. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, and, and can you tell us a little bit about the, the Toltecs, like what is their cosmology? What do they think? What do they stand for? Mm, absolutely. So a little bit about me. I was raised in Southeast Asia and moved around the world constantly as a kid. And so I had a really beautiful upbringing of a, a lot of opening to how different and unique and wonderful humans are. And when I came to the United States, I felt really disconnected and I couldn't name why. And that started me on my spiritual path. And I studied with a lot of different teachers, was really blessed to have a dream about Don Miguel and then meet him and study with him. And the, the wisdom that he shares is the Toltec wisdom. It's based out of South and Central Mexico. And the Toltecs were really interested in how we perceive reality, how we're creating our own dream. And so I blended the Toltec teachings, which are very much around looking at where we limit ourselves, the agreements that we create the places that we've created, guidelines for ourselves that actually aren't ours, and learning how to get free. So we're really at choice in every moment. And I also blend in European shamanism. That's my Mm. background as Mm. well, which is really around the cycles and ceremony and 
honoring the earth and the moon and the, the stars and how to bring ourselves back into relationship with nature. So I found that those two paths, which I think of as like the Toltec is the warrior path about clarity and commitment to self and freedom and the European shamanism is much more about the goddess energy and finding our flow and our creativity and our unique expression in the world. I love that. How long did you study with uh, Don Miguel? My apprenticeship with him was very intense for seven years. And then he basically kicked us all out of the nest. (laughs) And I went and started a center and started teaching really intensely. And I now teach with and travel with the Ruiz family. So I'm still very connected with them. Mm -hmm. It's been a real blessing in my life. I love that. Uh, I'm curious. You said um, you you made mention of the word agreements, the agreements that we make, and then setting ourselves free. Can you talk a little bit about these agreements? Are, Are these conscious agreements? What are these agreements that we make? They're both conscious and unconscious. So we actually make very few conscious agreements, but even when you make a conscious agreement, you want to re- review it regularly. So an example of a conscious agreement is, I'm going to take this job, I'm going to get paid this much money, and this is, these are my job duties. And that's a conscious agreement you make, or we're going to be in this type of a relationship. And so that's an example of conscious agreement. And then the unconscious agreements, and I think of those as the tip of the iceberg. Those are just the teepee top, and then underneath is all the mass, all the weight. And those are all our unconscious agreements. And examples of unconscious agreements are thinking that we're not smart because we're in a school where we don't do well for whatever reason, or thinking that we can't sing because a parent told us to be quiet when we were singing when we were young, and we made the agreement, oh, I can't sing even though our parent was telling us to be quiet because they had a migraine. So we can have these really small experiences in our young life where we make an agreement that's based on a story. It's not based on fact. It's based on something that we make up. And then we are exceptionally brilliant as humans as making up stories that fulfill our agreements or that strengthen the agreement. So let's say that I had a story that I can't sing and then... I want to join choir and I don't get into choir because of some totally random thing. And then when I'm 21, someone says, hey, we're going to do karaoke for your birthday. You're going to sing first. I might not realize I have an agreement that I can't sing, Mm -hmm. but my body would freak out and be like, no, I don't sing. I'm not doing this. And so often we can track where our agreements are. You don't have to remember really remember where they came from. It's just being in your life and really looking at how you respond to the world. You'll start to see what agreements you're carrying because they'll be being mirrored back to you by your experiences. You know, what you're saying is so important. Um, I'm sitting here realizing, you know, I I like your language of, of how this is an agreement. And if I'm understanding correctly, this is a this can be an instantaneous uh, response to something that has happened. Like you say, someone says, oh, you can't sing or whatever it is. And so you, you instantly accept that as the truth and you build the story for that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very energetic. It is. It's very energetic. We weave these whole webs of the story that we get caught in thinking that it's true. Well, and uh, I'm probably jumping ahead, but I feel like I'm getting a whole big ball of information. Um, uh, I'm thinking of how much energy we put into these agreements that may be unconscious to us and and how that can really stand in the way of us uh, showing up as the beautiful beings that we are at that deep level, right? Yeah, exactly. Those agreements, are they take a tremendous amount of energy to keep them going. And because we often have so many agreements, and they're not only our agreements, they're agreements we've taken on from our parents or from our religion as growing up or from our peers, and so we can have, or from our ancestors, we can have a lot of unconscious agreements. And so sometimes as adults, 
people feel like it's hard to make changes. And my response is always, you have to get the energy back from the old agreements in order to make change in the present. Because you need energy to make change. And where's our energy? It's all locked in our old agreements, many of which we don't even realize we're carrying with us. Oh, yes, totally. I'm just uh, uh, smiling inside. Yesterday, I actually had this conversation with a client where she's wanting to make these changes, and and her comment was, I don't have enough energy to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Just so there's techniques for helping to start to untangle the stories so we can get to what the agreement is and release the agreement. And then we have more intuition, more energy, more creativity, more vision, more capacity in our life. So that's really my passion is helping people to get free of their judgments and their fears and those old agreements so they can really bring their light and their gifts into the world. And that's really what you're bringing forward in your book, The Warrior Heart Practice, isn't it? It is. It's a really beautiful process to help untangle and help us separate out the different pieces so that we can bring them together into a new whole. Um, I realized a couple weeks ago, I was like, my whole life is about separating, cleaning, bringing things back together. (laughs) And it's almost like if you have an engine, like if you really want the engine to work well, you have to take it apart and clean all the pieces and then everything starts to function. And we have a lot of dirt and grime and gunk in the stories that that clogs up our being. And so this is a, a gentle way to help us unclog and clear the past. I love that analogy. It's really easy to understand. I get it. Yeah, we are full of junk. <laughs> we got <laughs> the engine's not running so good, right? But yeah. oil needs changing for sure. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I get it. Um we're going to go ahead and take a station break, and um, everybody go get a glass of water or whatever you got to do, you know, catch your breath, because uh, when we come back, we're really going to get into what is the warrior heart practice and how can you utilize it in your life. This is Loretta Brown. My guest today is Heather Ash Amara, and uh, we'll be right back. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. To some, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much, but that's not true. They're testing out vowels and consonants and trying different sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on meaning, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1150KKNW. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show with my guest, Heather Ash Amara. And I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis. You can find more about me at reikioasis.com and schedule everything at schedule.reikioasis.com like a Egyptian yacht trip. No, never mind. And we're going to talk more. I only say that because Benny smiles so and he's good. so cute when he smiles. He's By so the way, amazing. Uh, did you guys check out the Facebook page and Benny's sweater? Yeah, it's a Chris, ugly Christmas sweater. Actually, I think it's Dora. It's festive. Yeah. It's very festive. It's very I'll let festive. everyone look. To find out exactly what it's all about, That's I don't want right. to give everything away. That's right. I'm Except not going to red and green. It. It's red. We'll okay. start there. Okay. Yep. I'm not going to give everything away, but we're going to uh, get sparkly. He- yes, shiny. it is sparkly. <laughs> yeah. But I want to get Heather Ashamara on here. We want to talk about the warrior heart practice. So, um, in your in your book, you have what you call a map and a method. Why do we need a map and a method? Why is that important? about it this way if you if you're lost in the olden days we used to have these things called paper maps that you would unfold and the first thing you would do is figure out where you were and then you would figure out where you wanted to go 
and then it was to figure out what specific route. And the truth is, it doesn't really matter what route you take. And so the map is the big picture overview. Where am I? Where am I going? And the method is how you're going to get there. And so in the warrior heart practice, we have that big overview, which is what I call the Toltec cosmology, of how did we get where we are as humans? And then the method, which is how do we travel in our own way in order to get where we want to go. So it's a very practical method, which we also need on our journey. You know, uh, during the break, uh, Heather and I were talking about current conditions on planet Earth and how emotional everything is getting. Like our our feeling centers are are really activated as well as our thinking centers. And um, I I know that in the work that you do, um, you've talked in, in other books about something called recapitulation. What is recapitulation? Recapitulation is a really powerful technique to pull energy back from the past. So it uses your breath and your intent and any time that we respond to something in fear, we lose energy. And so even if you're thinking about something and you have anxiety, you tend to lose energy in those situations. And so there's a way using, again, your breath and your intent to go back into your history and to witness where you lost energy and then start to call that energy back into your being so that you have more energy available to you in the present. So the warrior heart practice is is a type of recapitulation because it helps you go back and witness the feeling and then especially the story from a new place. But it is one of my favorite techniques for sure is recapitulation. Can you talk a little bit, and I I really want you to bring out what the warrior heart practice is, but can you bring out a little bit because people have different lines of thought about whether we should go in through our, our feelings or what happens when we are trying to go back through an event and we're just getting all upset again. You know, there's this idea of, of um, uh, you know, powering it up versus uh, releasing it or, or getting through it. So can you just yeah. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yes, we've tended to get our feelings, our emotions, and our stories connected, tangled together. And what happens is you have a feeling, and then you tell yourself a story about the feeling and the story that makes you have the feeling again, and then you have the feeling and you tell yourself more of the story, and you can just bounce back and forth in those two areas and create more and more drama and upset. And right now we're at a place where the stories we're telling ourselves are, can be very painful and can cause a lot of emotional hurt. And we also don't know how to clear past emotions, emotions mm-hmm. from the past. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're cycling a lot of content from the past. I think about it as we're, we're wearing like these big heavy backpacks filled with emotions that we never cleared in the past because we didn't know how to. Um, and so learning how to take the backpack off and start to clear the emotion out in a healthy way is really vital for us at this time and to separate it out from the story so that we're we're working with the feeling and the story separately rather than them peeing off of each other and causing more pain. Yeah, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how people, uh, people do get stuck in that cycling around. And uh, I, I think of it sort of like, you know, if we have our best girlfriends, we go for girls friends night. What do we do? We all sort of erp it out, you know, like everything that we hate and we don't like this and we don't like that. Right. We feel a little better after that, but we really haven't taken care of it. We, we haven't resolved yeah. it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like taking a little bit out of the backpack so you feel a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. But then that's content's going to end up back in the backpack because it's not really cleared. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's important that we understand that, you know, some of us have a tendency to repress emotions, and so we never let ourselves have them. Others of us have a tendency to cycle emotions. So we think about it, we have the emotion again and again and again. And neither of those are healthy relationship to the emotional body. Uh, we also don't want to try and power through. You know, sometimes I, I work with people that get this idea like, well, if I'm spiritual, I'm supposed to be happy and not have the story. Mm-hmm. 
And so they try and push the story down and pretend like they're fine and everything's great. And yes, this traumatic thing happened, but it's no problem. But there's this all this angst and upset that hasn't been cleared again. It's just been pushed down. So there's there's a way to be gentle and kind with ourselves to unweave. We don't have to power through. We don't have to pretend it didn't happen. Um, and we also don't want to re-traumatize ourselves. And that's important as we're learning more and more about trauma. We're realizing that people can easily activate, if they've had trauma in the past, can easily activate trauma. And that's not healing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. allow for the healing to happen. So there's a way to use the warrior heart practice for trauma that's different than, than somebody that's just unweaving a story. I can talk about that later as well. Oh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I have uh, heard from people, you know, that, that have come to me and they've been they've gone and done something else and they say it, all it did was re-traumatize me, right? And yeah. uh, kind of reinforces that, that story or that agreement um, that we've been running in the in the background or in the foreground, whichever way you want to look mm-hmm. at it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we have to be really mindful in our relationship with untangling for ourselves and helping others of the difference between a story that's been locked and then trauma that's now in the body and in the nervous system. You can't think your way out of it. Well, you yeah. can't just go towards the story because it's not the story; it's the body that's the the issue the nervous system that needs to be retrained. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm thinking again of that illustration you gave of the person who now they've got an agreement they can't sing because the body itself would actually lock it down or the throat would mm-hmm. lock down or the nervous system would shake or something, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so it takes a lot of courage to do this work and, and a lot of support is, is needed as well. Yeah, you've got to hold that container. I think you do that really well. Um, I, I've got a question because you, you brought it up. How do people separate the feelings out from the story? And, and maybe that's part of, maybe that's the way your heart practice. That is the practice. And the practice has four chambers, like the heart. Mm-hmm. And each of the chambers is important. So you wouldn't say, oh, I like my left ventricle the best. You know, like we, <laughs> we love all the aspects of the heart. They all work together the same thing with the chambers of the warrior heart practice and again we're separating out the different aspects so the first chamber is called the feeling chamber and that's about your emotional body and the second chamber is called the story chamber which is about the the, the thought the content of your mind and so to start to separate out the feeling chamber from the story when you when you're upset when you're triggered when you're confused when something's up and you know you're out of balance the first question to ask yourself you put yourself i think about you you go to the feeling chamber and the first question you ask yourself is what am i feeling Mm -hmm. that seems really simple but it's actually very difficult most of us don't know how to separate just feeling the feeling versus telling ourselves a story and so learning to go towards the feeling means that you're not exiting you're not distracting yourself or doing other things you're just sitting and asking what am i feeling and then you go into your body, imagine that you can track through your body and ask yourself, what are the sensations I'm having? So it may be that your belly's tight, it may be that your throat feels closed. And as you start to breathe into your body and just be with whatever's arising, then you can start to simply be present with yourself. So in the feeling chamber, you're not trying to fix or understand or tell yourself a story about why you're feeling the feeling. You're just having the feeling, period. Yes. Just letting yourself be in the feeling. And then once you've sat, you don't have to sit for very long, but let yourself really rest into what's going on in my body. Then you go to the story chamber, and then you give yourself permission. What's the story I'm telling myself? What am I thinking about this situation? And I always tell people, don't edit. Like, let yourself really go into how you're judging or how you're afraid or whatever the story is. And you're going to be like an archaeologist digging through the layers because so often the stories that we're telling ourselves, there's a deeper story underneath Mm -hmm. that as you start to just look at the story, you can unearth the layers of it. So that's how you start to separate. It takes practice to just feel and and then explore the story. 
And that's just the first two chambers. But just that separation can create a lot of insight and awareness. What are the what are the other two chambers? There's four chambers, like the heart. There's yeah. four chambers, yes. Yeah. So I think of those as the two bottom chambers. Okay. And then the next chamber, the third chamber, is the truth chamber. And so you're going from story into the truth. And what most of us do is we write a better story and we call it the truth. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, we're like, ah, this is the truth. It's like, no, it's just a better version of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giggling. So I, I do. I, true. Re- mm-hmm. I resemble that truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. So how do we know if it's actually true? The truth is incredibly simple. So I always think the truth is one sentence with a period at the end. So anytime you start justifying or um, thinking about more like your back-end story. So the truth is super simple, and you want to ask yourself, what is true here? And I often have people start with this one truth, I am breathing. So that that is true. You're either breathing or you're dead, and so therefore it's probably <laughs> a true statement. <laughs> oh, but that can be really powerful, like I'm breathing, I'm here, I'm okay. So take a breath. That's true. And then you ask yourself, what else is true? What else can I see as true in this situation? And it's amazing that you'll start having these different truths arise. And again, period, if, if it starts going into, and I'm feeling that way because, or that's, you know, anytime you start justifying or defending, you're back in story. So you have to keep coming back to what is just the simple truth, period. So that's the third chamber. And the fourth chamber is your intent. And your intent is your focus or your, your desire of where you want to put your energy going forward. And your intent is one word. So your intent might be presence. It might be love. It might be play. It can be anything. But it's where you want to put your attention going forward. It's not my intent is that this person treats me different. So your intent is not about other people. It's about how are you going to be in response to the situation that you're unpacking. And then the practice isn't done here. This is actually just the beginning. Mm -hmm. So now you take your intent, whatever your one word is, and it's your North Star. That's going to guide you going forward with what actions you take. And then you go back into the truth chamber. And I love to think about it. You're holding the intent in one hand. You're holding your truth in the other hand. And then you look around the truth chamber to see if there's any other truth that you hadn't seen before, and then you go back into the story chamber. You step back into Mm -hmm. the story, Mm -hmm. now with these two allies, Mm -hmm. you can look around to see how else can you perceive the story. How can you rewrite it? How can you open it up? What else is true here? And then we always want to end in the feeling chamber. And there isn't a right way to end the practice. Sometimes people come out of the practice in the feeling chamber. They feel lighter. They feel open. They feel hopeful. Um, and sometimes people come into the feeling chamber and feel grief and they mm-hmm. realize, wow, I have a lot of grief I haven't released. Or mm-hmm. they feel you know, um, some, some others, like I've come through and felt re- really disappointed. I've been like, oh, disappointment. Okay, let's just hang out with disappointment for a while. So there isn't a right way to finish. But for me, finishing in the feeling chamber allows us to be more in touch with our bodies, which is where we really need to go. We're all so much in our head. Yeah. And so this practice teaches us how to get back into the present moment with what's actually going on in our bodies. Yeah. So that's a simple overview of the practice. That's lovely. Thank you for um, laying that out there like that and for coming up with this. Like you said, this is a very simple process, but complicated, right? It's one of those things. Um, I'm, I'm being with how you can go through the whole thing and end up in the, in the feeling chamber, uh, with another feeling and realizing how, how layered we can become or how tangled up we can become. Right. Yes, exactly. We can weave some amazing stories together and, you know, you think you're having a response to your boss because he's being grumpy you know, or exactly, or she's being irritable. But then you start looking at the layers of the story, and you're like, oh, this reminds me of my elder sister and that time. You know, like you start seeing how the stories are driving your choices. Your past is driving your choices. 
And so as you clean it up, it's remarkable how quickly you can start to sort things out and come into peace in places that were really painful. Yeah. Yeah, it starts to unravel that. And I'm also being with how we are so brilliant in our ways that we'll we'll make up some big side road to cover up the fact that we're actually sad, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, we're super creative. And I think that's something, too. But it's so true. We're so creative. And I think that's something that I love about the process is as you start doing it, you start to have more and more of a sense of humor of how where your brain goes and what the stories are. And Mm -hmm. what happens as you do the practice over time is you, like for me now, I just go to the truth. Like I'll see a story arising. I'll be like, I have no idea what's actually happening. What do I know is true here? You know, like my friend is late, period. Like that's all I know. I don't know anything else. But when you're in the stories, you can make up a whole, like, they don't love me anymore. They don't respect <laughs> me. Everybody always is late. And then suddenly you're back to your childhood when you were never picked first for the team, you know? Right. So, yeah. I, I love that. things up. Yeah, I love that. What do I know is true? Because, yeah, we fill in the blanks, like I said, with that brilliant mind's always making something up and uh, trying to make sense out of uh, pain and suffering, I think, sometimes is what we're doing. But, um yeah, and I'm also being with, like you say, we're in our heads so much, this will get us in in our bodies and paying attention in the present moment to what is really happening here. What's going on? What am I yeah. feeling? Because I'm, I'm being with the fact that, you know, I quite often will say to people, okay, let's just, you know, close our eyes and tune in. What are you feeling? And it, it can take people quite a while. And I have had people say, I can't feel anything. Like you say, they've repressed it for so long. And uh, we, I think there's a, a reluctance or a fear to feel our feelings. Um, I, I've, yeah. Yeah. I've always told people they're navigational tools in some way. They're messages in some way. Um, that kind of plays into what you're doing here, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so true. And, and for people that have repressed their emotional body, it's about befriending learning to to slowly start to make that connection again with the emotional body. And this is why I say say to people, it's a warrior heart practice because you have to have courage to turn towards your emotional body. Yeah, you do. And we have a lot of fear around that often. And so it's, you know, to be compassionate with ourselves, to be gentle as we do the practice. And also for anybody who's had trauma, I've worked with a lot of people that have trauma of different sorts from their past or PTSD. And what they found to be most helpful is actually to start in the truth chamber. Mm. So if they're activated and their, their trauma is coming back to go to what's true now and to get more present into, okay, I'm safe. I'm in my kitchen. I'm whole, you know, I'm washing dishes to start there. Mm-hmm. And then some people then go to the intent. What's my intent? And then they go back through so then they can look at the story that triggered them and, and be with the feelings. But it doesn't help to just go back into yeah. the trauma and then keep feeling the trauma. Yeah. So the truth can be very helpful to just get you back into the present moment. Thank you. Uh, because I, it, I was actually sitting here thinking about that. So you answered the question. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. If we're getting uh, lost or, or drowning in the emotion. Yeah. And that could be from trauma. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this brings up uh, the issue for me because I have um, always, I, I tell people all the time to uh, become an ob- objective witness of the self, but in the Toltec tradition, they have stalking the self. Can you tell us a little bit what that is? Yes. Yeah. The best way I like to describe this is you think about a big cat that stalks its prey over days. So the cat will wait and watch. Where does the prey sleep? Where does it feed? What are its movements? And what we're learning to do is stalk ourselves. So to stalk, where does my mind go when I'm tired? What happens emotionally when um, I haven't gotten a lot of sleep? Or what are my emotional patterns, for example? What's going on with my energy throughout the day? So we, we learn to stalk really systematically the different aspects of ourselves. What am I thinking? What's happening in my emotional body? What's happening energetically? What's happening in my physical body? And, you know, what most of us want to do is we see something, we want to fix it right away. Like we want to jump on it and fix it and make it better. 
or with other people. Like somebody shares something, we're like, how do we make you better? Yeah. And the stalking is to say, slow down, sweetheart. Like look at the pattern. Because what you want to see is where the pattern comes together. Because when you really stalk something well, you can make a couple changes and the whole pattern unravels rather than fighting against it and tangling it up more. You know, when we're not stalking, we can actually, I always think about this great metaphor of like, if you throw a bunch of cords or a bunch of necklaces into a bag and you carry them around for five minutes, they all get completely tangled together. (laughs) And if you just get in there and start pulling it, they get tighter. And so the stalking is patient, methodical. You're pulling things apart so you can start to see where the crux of the matter is and change that. So it's like you, it allows you to go into the root of the story and change it from that perspective rather than just constantly breaking branches off. Yeah. There's a, I'm, I'm getting the idea of a massage, massaging it somehow mm, and, and, yeah. and, and, and gently loosening that up. Uh, I do agree with you. It's, it's like we've woven something, and it, it is true. If you take out that, that one thread, it will all unwind, right? It will, it will unweave itself. But yeah. It will. Yeah. And it's, it's that witnessing that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and the witnessing means that we're not judging and we're not feeling victimized. We can, we can be witnessing that we feel judgmental or be witnessing that we feel victimized, but we're not caught in the story we're able to step back and and perceive the story differently, yeah. which is what's so critical for making change. And I found to get to that place of witness, we have to be willing to go into the mess completely <laughs> and to really let ourselves look at what am I telling myself so that you can drag, you know, like dig it all up and stock all of it. Yeah, and, and catch ourselves in, in those old stories or those old agreements, yeah. as you say, that we've been running forever. What, yeah. what is spiritual smugness? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, spiritual smugness is something that I've witnessed in myself in the past and, and with others, is that sometimes when we've done a bunch of spiritual work, that we can start feeling, and this, we can do this in different areas, but we can start feeling like, oh, yes, I've done that. <laughs> I'm better than everyone else. And, and people that get caught in spiritual smugness, they feel like they've done their work so they don't have to do any more. And then they start, I mean, basically what their judge does is then starts turning it around and making everyone inferior in some way or not as good as they are because they're on a spiritual path. So I, I wrote an a article about this, about a vegan. I was on a plane and uh, there was a woman who was a vegan who just, the amount of poison and upset and anger this woman had because other people weren't doing what they should be doing. I was like, Oh wow, look (laughs) how much pain she's causing herself. And I was able to then track when I'd done that in the past. Um, And it's easy. We have to be really careful of our judge. Our judge is really tricky. So it's really easy for your judge to be like, you should be loving everyone. Like to start using it against (laughs) yourself. Right. If you were a good good person, you know, good spiritual seeker, you'd be loving everybody. And then we start turning it outside. Every, you know, everybody else should be loving. Why are they in conflict? <laughs> so that was my, my play around this idea of spiritual smugness and yeah. to, to really stay grounded and, and humble that we're all doing the work. We're all learning and we're all doing it at different paces. And just because you've done more spiritual work or or whatever, somebody else doesn't make you a better person. Everybody's equal in so many beautiful ways. Yeah. We're just at different places. Yeah, everybody is is on their own journey there. Um, and I, I was giggling a little bit because I do run into spiritual smugness, right? And occasionally I've been guilty of it myself, right? And uh, the being humble, I think, is a really uh, wonderful thing. And then realize that... Anybody can be a quote-unquote teacher for you or the catalyst for you to go through something and be willing, you know, recognize this stalking of the self, the witnessing of the self will bring you right back into when you're starting to create that story or you're running from a story like, oh, I'm all that and a bag of chips. Uh, You can't teach me anything, right? (laughs) And (laughs) guess what? (laughs) You can, yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, and that's such a gift when we start looking at all the beings in our life as teachers. Yeah. And gifts and allies and guides. Now, you have written this wonderful book, and I want to ask, you know, can someone get this book, The Warrior Heart Practice, and can they can they go through this, that like what you just described, on, on their own, utilizing the book? And how do you recommend that people do that? Yeah, the, the book has a lot of examples of different people and how they've used the Warrior Heart Practice, and it also goes very systematically into each of the chambers. So there's a lot more depth about how to work with the chambers and how to circle back. And then there's also a, a PDF that people can download, which is really helpful. And so there's a way that they can then write out. Uh, so that PDF is on my website. And the book comes out January 7th, so it'll be available everywhere. Wonderful. So point. people can pre-order it already, right? Yes. And yeah, people can pre-order for sure. Yeah. Can, can you teach the Warrior Heart Practice to kids? Yes. We found it really effective with kids. You also have to be mindful of what their age is. Mm -hmm. But you can start really young teaching kids about feelings. Like, what are you feeling? And having them acknowledge what they're feeling and really be with them and and let them honor their own feelings. And to also help them start to, to look at what are the stories. So we found that you can do a lot of early, young training around the warrior heart practice that sets the stage for kids to start to understand the difference between truth and story mm, and mm-hmm. to get clear about what they're feeling. And so they won't get as tangled. <laughs> the hope is they won't get as tangled up because they'll have more intelligence around the feeling versus the story versus the truth. I, I love that. I love that. Um, you should make a workbook for kids. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, I would love that. I have a whole section in the back in the appendix of but yeah, I, I people have asked me that too. I'm just, like, I'm just a whole workbook. Yeah, I, I'm just niggling a little bit there, you know. Heather, <laughs> just, just doing the Loretta thing. Um, where can people find you? Where can they find your book? My website has all the resources. So heatherashamara.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So all the places. And the book is available again January seventh. You can pre-order it online and also at your local bookstore. I love that. I want to let you know, a, a few weeks ago, Lee Harris was on the show, and the Z's channeled for us, which was lovely. And one of the things they said, it, they said to Loretta and the people that listen to this show, that we are the ones who love to love. We're the lovers. We're the heart ones. So we are the warriors of the heart. Mm, <laughs> love that. Yes. I had to share that. So this is Loretta Brown, my wonderful guest today, Heather Ashamara. You really need to check her out, the book, The Warrior Heart Practice. And, of course, she has warrior goddess training and all kinds of wonderful things. Blessings to you, Heather Ash. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Take good care, everybody. Thank you. Bye now.